You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. All right. This is my second time up here, so I can't say my joke about uh, that I would never believe anybody who said I would be up here speaking. But the squeaky wheel gets the microphone. And uh, I've been uh, pestering James about having guest speakers, and then I'm up here. <clears throat> so let me find the clicker. James, do you have the clicker? Yes. <laughs> Set me up for failure. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so we're in the middle of a series called Follow Your Hunger. It's a sermon series leading up to Lent, which is traditionally 40 days of fasting to clear our minds to receive the good news of Jesus' resurrection. Um, I am keeping Q&A in here because James gets to answer them. So if you have any questions about things that I have to say or disagreements or agreements or answers to anything that I say, uh, please send them to James and he will get back to you. Or I might be able to answer them if they're questions directly for me. Um, and I'm flipping the series a little bit. Um, we've been previously speaking about following our own hunger is hurrying us to Jesus. But this time I'm speaking about helping those who are hungry is hurrying us to Jesus. So a little bit about me. This is my cute little family um, and our self-twimer portrait this Christmas. But um, some of you may see a little extra guy on there. Last time I preached, it was just four of us, and now it's five. Um, I am a board member. I've been going here for the last four four years-ish. We started on Mother's Day, I believe, four years ago. Um, I have three little ones. Penny is my oldest, Abby, and then Rio. We call them the twins. They're only 12 days apart. Um, but Rio joined our family in September and hopefully officially by the end of this year. Um, if you have any questions uh, further uh, for me, again, just text that number on the bottom of the screen. So we're going to start with Matthew 25. It's a long scripture. James was supposed to put it on the screen, but instead you just get to listen to my voice um, speak. I'm reading um, the Bibles in the back of your chairs are a common English Bible, but mine is an NIV. So the, if you're following along in scripture, it might sound a little different, but... Um, here it goes. We're reading Matthew 25, 31 through 46. James, do you have a page number for CEB? 757. 757. All right. So we're starting in verse 31. This, um, I'm not sure if yours has a label or not. Mine's called the sheep and the goats. When the sun... Oh, he did put it up there. <laughs> didn't set me up for failure. All right, so I believe this is the NIV up here. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on the glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. 
I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whenever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or a sick in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So here at the table, we start with the bad news, and I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. So um, the bad news here, from what I pull from the scripture, is that what we value leads to a failure of vision. There are so much C language in this passage, so this is um, a through line that I'm going to pull through. And here it says, they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty uh, or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? Um, he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. And here it is, it's that see language, that vision, whatever we did not see. <clears throat> so here's a little backstory. This is little Amanda uh, and my little brother and my sister. <laughs> uh, this is my favorite picture because my sister just looks so miserable. Um, it hangs at the end of my grandma's hallway. This is actually like a picture of a picture. Um, for as long as I can remember, she's had this frame, this Sears photo and the Sears frame uh, put at the end of the hallway. But I just wanted to give a little backstory um, that basically this bad news, this failure of vision, this is the Christianity that I grew up with. Uh, in, in our, oh, excuse me. In our tradition, um, John Wesley says, earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. But the Christianity that I grew up with was work all you can, earn all you can, spend all you can, spend some more. Uh, and so I feel like, and we as a society, we inherited this failure of vision. It's more about what can we see that's right in front of us instead of seeing Jesus in the least of these. I'm not sure what's supposed to be there. Oh, I am. Hold on. <laughs> so as a society here, we got quick and easy, no thought to where it comes from um, and who it's hurting in the process. And I am one of these people, Target. This is my favorite place to be. When my babies were little, I spent every day here. They had free air conditioning and it was July. Um, but what we don't see, we see what's right in front of us, what's quick, what's easy, what gets our immediate needs filled. But what we don't see is the fast fashion behind it, the laborers who are creating the clothes. I'm wearing a Target dress on purpose, just to show you I, I am just as guilty. Amazon, the fast shipping, the environmental impact, the things we don't see because of our immediate needs. A clean and tidy home. We're not willing to be messy to let people into our messiness or to make our homes messy. 
Um, the convenience and access to clean water, something we take for granted every single day that those in the world don't have. How about the diamonds on our rings? We don't think about who mines those diamonds and how we get them here. Or how about being quiet and calm? Helping the least of these, it sometimes devo completely avoids the quiet and calm and it's stepping into the chaos. Um, this is John Perkins. He uh, has written several books, including Let Justice Roll or With Justice um, for All. And I actually saw him in a Lenten book that I am reading um, called A Just Passion. Um, but he says, instead of continually seeking God's will for our lives and communities, we hold the Holy Spirit captive to our own desires, our selfish materialistic desires. So when we only think about ourselves and our immediate needs, we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us. But there's always good news. Um, so <clears throat> this is where I find the good news in this passage. It says, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger invite you in needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And the good news is we have the ability to see Jesus. We aren't living in a time where we got to walk with Jesus, but Jesus is saying right here that we have the ability to walk with Jesus. And we have the ability to live with his vision. We don't have to live in that failure of vision. Um, here at the table, we do head, heart, hands, or no, feel, do. And what I pull from this, what does Jesus want us to know from this passage? And I believe it's that we can see and serve Jesus. And it says here, uh, Lord, when did we see you? And he says, whenever we, you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. <laughs> this is uh, my little Abner Kiki. And yes, she went to school looking exactly like this the other day. In case you can't tell, those are fingerless gloves. That's some a French jacket. Um, that's a Christmas dress and uh, holy jeans and uh, yellow socks with her sandals. So, um, but she is my baby who sees everyone and she never lets me forget. In fact, we were driving the other day here in Orville and we got off the freeway at Oro Dam and there was a person there and she said, mama, we have to stop and give him one of our blessing bags. And I was like, baby, they're in the back of the car. And she reaches over to unbuckle her seatbelt to climb into the back of the car at the stoplight. I'm like, Abby, Abby, stop. And uh, she said, but mama, we have it and we have to give it to him. And so I said, okay, hold on. So we went around the freeway, parked. She got, she got out all on her own, went and got one. She made us turn around. We had to go all the way back down the freeway, turn around and stop. And she said, mama, mama, let me do it. Let me do it. And so we rolled down the window and she handed it out. And she said, this is for you. And I just, every time I think we have, I have the ability to shut it out, right? To, to tell myself an excuse. Oh, it's in the back of the car. I don't need to stop. But Abby never lets me forget. And she sees. And, we, and I want to be a little bit more like Abby. 
Um, this is Martin Luther King, and I googled Martin Luther King photos, and every single one is just like a very buttoned-up traditional photo of Martin Luther King, or he's at a microphone. And I just love this photo because he just seems so much more relaxed, and he's with his children. But here he says, to accept passively an unjust system is to cooperate with that system, thereby the oppressed become as evil as the oppression. It takes a village oriented with the teachings of Jesus, but the village must be an environment in which families and individuals are supported and strengthened by each, by each of us, whose goal it is, is to walk the same path as Christ walked to Calvary. We must, as followers of Christ, help and support and give strength to our brothers and sisters, uh, to our neighborhood and to these families, as Christ sees himself in these people. We must open our eyes to the vision of Jesus. It's countercultural, and it's going to feel uncomfortable. Our ability to directly serve Jesus relies on our ability to see him. Instead of seeing what's right in front of us, what our own desires are, instead of holding captive the Holy Spirit, we need to see Jesus, how he identified, and that was in the least of these. What does Jesus want us to feel here in Matthew 25? And I think what I feel is that to get an accurate vision of Jesus, you must adopt the values of Jesus. And I purposely use this adoption language because to me, it means to take on the stranger, to take care of, and to provide for. And I think that we have to adopt these values of Jesus in order to, to get an accurate vision of where, where our lives need to take us. And it says, and I'm going to keep coming back to Matthew 25. It says, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. We're taking on, we're adopting that vision of Jesus. And here's a picture of Jesus with, or an illustration of Jesus with the least of these. And it just shows the shocking depth of Jesus's love for the human race. His identification with the least of these is so profound that <clears throat> that when we reach out in love and care and in their pain, that it is Jesus himself whom we are loving. So a little, uh, the same front doors. Uh, <laughs> and here it's like you might see these cute little faces and our dog perfectly posed. But what I see when I look at this photo is the home behind it. And it's a little vulnerable for me, but this is our home and many of you have been there. But it's too nice for us. It's too big. Um, and that is my feeling that comes behind it. And, and I've felt a lot of guilt and still sometimes do, if I'm being honest, about this home that we have. And I didn't know what to do with that guilt that I felt. And I, speaking to many of our friends and to James, and it just kind of felt like, we have this home, and we, how can you use it to serve others? Instead of feeling the guilt of having it, how can you use it to help others? And that's where a lot of our, our foster care journey started, was that we have this home, we have this space, we have a, a whole extra bedroom, a whole extra bathroom, and not that you need that for foster care, but we had it. And, and I think that we're decent parents, <laughs> and we have great friends and a supportive family, and it was like, this is our home, this is what we can use our home for, is for service. Others And last year, we had seven strangers come and live with us, seven little babies that, that got to feel supported and loved and cared for because we had this home. So just a little um, 
a little bit of what I feel like when we're adopting those values of Jesus, and it is part of that foster care journey for us. This is the number, 437,000. That's how many kids in foster care are currently in the United States. 46,190 in the U.S., and 531 kids in Butte County are currently in foster care. Now, I don't know the exact number of churches in Butte County, and I don't know exactly where I heard this fact, so I might be a little bit off, and feel free to to fact check me, but if just one family from every church in Butte County, not every family in every church, but just one family from every church in Butte County took in a foster care child, there'd be no children without homes. Um, This is Esau McCauley. He wrote the book Reading While Black, which in all transparency I bought and meant to read and and never did. So, um, but he has this quote in that same Lenten book. uh, And it says, uh, Jesus also cared about the spiritual lives of the poor. He saw them as bodies and souls. His call to repent acknowledges the fact that their poverty does not remove their agency. And this quote in the book just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like we, we may see somebody, but do we truly see them as a body and a soul? See, Jesus, he was not above them, but with them. He had saw these people, these uh, least of these, as individuals worthy of being seen and served. And he not only saw them, but he saw himself with them. And we need to consistently and constantly seek to align our values to Jesus's vision. This isn't going to come easy, and it it is going to take you places that you don't want to go. It's going to be uncomfortable. But God came in the flesh, and he hung out in the margins, and so can we. What does Jesus want us to do in reference to Matthew 25? And I believe it's to see and serve Uh, Jesus is to share and serve with the least of these. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. This is all seeing and serving the least of these. Here Jesus is enlightening himself with the least of these. He is the stranger that walks in the door. He is the sick. He is the naked that needs to be clothed and he is the prisoner. See, there is no distinction here. Jesus is saying he is these people, and we need to take this seriously. Um, this is Donna Barber. I did not do that. Uh, Donna Barber. She is from Portland, Oregon, and she's the cows. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Uh, she's the co-founder of the Voices Project, and it's an organization that influences culture through training and promoting uh, leaders of color. And I love this quote because sometimes it can really feel like we don't have enough, that we're not enough. And she says, we cannot serve from our own wealth, no matter how great, for it will soon be depleted. If we attempt to give others out of our own supply, our generosity can quickly deteriorate into paternalism for become, or become tainted by the impure motives of power and control or weighted with the expectations of reciprocity. No, we must give out of the resources. Okay, it's, it's, it's done for. Ready? I'm sure James thought this was really cool to put in there. 
or it was my fault. He's saying it's my fault. All right. No, we must give out of the resources of heaven that God supplies. And if you get burned out, you're going to miss out. We can't just try harder. Um, this is Francis Chan back in uh, 2018. He is a speaker and a pastor, and he actually left his mega church um, to serve the least of these. He felt like his church wasn't doing what Jesus had intended. And um, so I'm going to let him speak for a second. You see, when I look at this passage, it bugs me. I know, I know that I have not taken this passage literally. And, and if, if I have at all taken it literally, one thing I know for sure is I have not taken this passage seriously. This is typically what we do as Christians here in America. We'll hear a passage and go, oh, that was good, and glean a little bit of conviction over it that it might change our lives a little bit and might change us a tad. And I'm just tired of that. See, that doesn't sit right in my soul. It makes me feel a little bit better about myself, so it relieves a little bit of guilt. But I'm at a point in my life now, and I think you guys are seeing it, where I'm done with that. And I want to go 100%. 100% and go, what would that look like if I really took that literally and saw everyone with unclean drinking water as Jesus Christ himself? What would that look like if I took that literally and seriously? If that's truly Jesus who is starving, Jesus who died on that cross for me, who gave me life, who gave me everything that I am today, if that's truly him and I take that literally and I take that seriously, that he's the one starving, am I, is it possible to sit here casually? There's no way. And I'm not talking about doing a little bit to relieve my guilt, but I'm talking about taking this word just as it's written and saying, okay, that's Jesus, then he's more important than I am. And I've got to figure out something to do with my life. If, if you're unaware, I'm confused about where we're at right now. Let's see. Ah, okay. <laughs> to serve Jesus is to first see Jesus. Here, Francis Chan said, we have to take this passage literally and seriously. We have to see Jesus as he saw himself, and that was in the least of these. Jesus was deadly serious about this. It can feel heavy and overwhelming, but we must remember that when Jesus said, you served, you, you fed me when I was hungry and you gave me something to drink, those, those on the right, they answered, when? See, they had adopted the vision of Jesus and that was their value. It wasn't work. It wasn't coming. It wasn't depleting them. It simply was their value and their vision. And, and it will naturally, as soon as we start taking on Jesus's vision, we can start to naturally align our values with that. So do you have any questions? No questions. <laughs> James says, if there's no questions, it's super awkward. I said, if there's no questions, that's fabulous. Um, so in conclusion, 
the head point is that we can see and serve Jesus. And to get an accurate vision of Jesus, we must adopt the values of Jesus. And to see and serve him is to share and serve with the least of these. And let me tell you, this is the Christianity I wish I knew when I was growing up. This is not the Christianity that I knew when I was growing up. This is the this. If this had been it, I might have stuck around. For those of you that don't know, I came back to the church about six years ago. But I had left because it didn't align with the values that I had saw. It just didn't make sense. But this right here, this is the Christianity I wish I had known. And I'm bringing back a spiritual practice. And I would, I do highly recommend that if you're unfamiliar with this breath prayer, that you take a picture or that you write it down. This is something that I have been trying to integrate into my life. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what I spoke about today, other than a lot of this can feel really heavy. And this breath prayer has really helped me when I'm feeling a little bit out of control or like it's all too much. And you just breathe in, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, breathe out, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I do this repetitively when I'm working out, when I'm going to sleep, when I feel overwhelmed. I just breathe in and out, and sometimes it can just realign our vision with the values of Jesus. All right, let us pray. Lord, a lot of what I said and felt through you in this scripture can feel really heavy. And I just hope that those of us here, we take more than just a tad, that we take you seriously and literally, and we can learn to adopt your vision and, and our values and your vision and make them our own. That, we, that when asked, that we can say when that it just becomes so a part of our lives that we don't even realize that we're doing it, Lord. And I just uh, pray for our congregation that sometimes life can feel really heavy and this rain can feel really heavy and we're just working towards moving forward with you and working with the Holy Spirit through our lives, Lord. We say this in your name. Amen.